Welcome to another episode of Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Molino-Connors, a PhD-level self-care expert in the greater Boston area with a passion for helping others recognize the importance of caring for themselves. Today, I welcome yoga, meditation teacher, and jewelry designer extraordinaire Lonnie Paul to the podcast. I first discovered Lonnie on Instagram as her gorgeous jewelry pieces appeared in my feed. You know, sometimes those algorithms work very well. As I learned more about her, I knew this was someone I needed to get to know better. Her jewelry designs are just lovely, and I now proudly own several pieces, and her approach to teaching yoga and meditation is fabulous. I have not had the honor of taking a class with Lonnie yet, but I'm looking forward to taking classes with her in the future. I think a lot of what Lonnie has to say will resonate with my listeners. And here is our conversation. Thank you so much, Lonnie, for joining me today on the Dr. MC Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I've been an admirer of your jewelry designs now for a while, and I'm um, blessed to own several pieces of your um, gorgeous work, and we'll talk more about that. But I'm excited to dive right in and learn more about you. So right from the get-go, let's start. Your My first question for you is, you describe yoga as a life-changing practice. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. So yoga is um, unique in the movement industry or the movement space because in yoga, we work to also control the breath. And the breath is one just nerdy common autonomic. So that means you're going to keep doing it until you aren't living anymore. But it's the one autonomic system that you can control. And by controlling the breath, you can control your mood, your feelings, great things like inflammation, blood pressure, heart rate. So in addition to moving the body, which you know we just know and science proves over and over again, moving the body every day is essential. It doesn't need to be vigorous. It doesn't need to be long. You know, the first five minutes of a yoga session is probably the most therapeutic. Um, you can reach a relaxation response in 12 minutes. This is research that's been done in Harvard by controlling the breath. So um, it's a life-changing practice because first of all, it's life, it's a practice. So it's something you, you just do forever. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of time, but because you can control the breath and it controls so many important parts of us as humans and move the body, which is essential to your health and keeping everything balanced and and easeful and working, um, it, it changes people's lives. You know, for me personally, I started practicing yoga when I was in high school. You know, my mom and I got a book. It was kind of like the hippie thing back then. And we just sort of did it um, and just kept at it. But there was a time in my life where I left the mat, left the practice, and then found myself in ill health, um, mm -hmm. both kind of mental, emotional, and physical. And um, by returning to the mat, it was like the body is a sponge. It just soaked it right back up and helped slowly but surely return the body to health and, you know, and keep things in balance as, as best I can. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like 
I love that you got into it too at a, at a young age. It really wasn't trendy back then, mm-hmm. and um, now certainly it has picked up. It is one of the most popular, you know, um, health and wellness practices that's kind of been uh, utilized here in uh, the United States. And I love it. I've practiced on and off too. Is I've actually been really consistent the last um, almost two years, actually since COVID, thanks to my cousin um, who Lonnie actually knows, which is exciting. Um, who's a yoga practitioner as well and teacher and um allison has been teaching uh, virtual classes uh for my mother and i which has been like a highlight of this whole um last uh 20 months here or so and um so i love it but it's funny and you also highlight you know how we get away from things that are good for us and that tends to be how self-care is kind of practice sometimes in general we tend to those are the things that we just push to the side and figure oh well we'll do that again later or I don't need this anymore but really it's the opposite you need more of of these things you need more self-care more yoga more breathing and I love that just connecting the body to breath and really highlighting that it's a practice you're not meant to be perfect you're not meant to be able to bend yourself into a pretzel and do all these things it's a practice and something that you can learn certainly to get better at but also to utilize for your well-being so i'm definitely a fan of yoga and promoting it for others so uh, this is great and so i'm wondering Lonnie, what advice would you give someone who maybe was interested in starting yoga or meditation but didn't know how or where to begin Okay, that's a great question. So it depends upon your comfort level uh, to enter in. If, first of all, I'm a huge proponent of supporting local yoga studios and they really could use your support right now. A lot of them are closing. So um, approach a local yoga studio. There is either a possibility that there's a beginner series and then you're with all beginners or there's some gentle classes, which are a great way to begin. And a th- another option, if, um, if you can swing it, is to contact the lo- your local studio and have one private session, just so you break the ice and you know some of the stuff. If you're feeling a little bit more comfortable, maybe a little bit more brave, and I encourage this actually, just go to a class at a lo- local yoga studio and just let the teacher know. So typically we're meeting people at the door. If it's a student we've never seen before, that's one of the first questions, are you brand new to yoga? And we usually get, you know, big saucer eyes and people are nervous. <laughs> and I can assure you that we all know what we're doing and we get this all the time. We love to have new students. I can assure you that the class, so it changes just slightly when you have a new student. So for me, I don't change the meat of the class, but I'll be a little bit more instructional. And that's why I uh, mentioned to just let the teacher know this is the first time to yoga. So let's say, I won't just say a pose, let's come to warrior one the teacher or myself would take just a moment to say, so warrior one, the front knee is bent, show the pose and just add a couple more instructions that you wouldn't necessarily use in a class where you, you know, everyone. So that would be where I would start. I know there's a lot of YouTube videos. Um, there's a lot of classes online. It's not my favorite because, um, you're not really getting any feedback or specific instruction. I can assure you, you're going to go in with a basket of things that um, you think are of concern in your body and being able to just briefly share that with a teacher and then being able to just quickly give you some tips or advice is worth its weight in gold in terms of keeping you safe, not overdoing it, not hurting yourself. Um, if you just go the YouTube route, you're not going to, and the other thing that's missing in that, um, 
is the energy in the room. So I encourage you to go to sure. a local yoga studio. Meditation is interesting. I love Dan, Har two books I'd recommend. Um, Dan Harris wrote a book called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. And that is like 100% me and I teach yoga and meditation. So it's just a great read. It dispels a lot of myths about meditation. We go to, to, to yoga because we believe that we're, um, we're not flexible enough or we won't go because we're not flexible enough. I'm not flexible, doesn't matter. Yoga is about um, getting a balance between flexibility, strength, range of motion and balance. And all four of those things are equally important. It's just not about flexibility. Meditation is given this idea, well, I have to clear the mind. Okay, let me tell you when your mind is clear, when you aren't living anymore. There's yeah. nothing going on in your mind because it's, okay, right. flatlining. Up until then, the mind is designed every 30 seconds to check in and keep you safe. Like, oh, what's going on? Hmm, could be a tiger or a bear. So, so the idea that you're going to get in this blissful state of meditation and think about nothing and completely clear the mind, you know, the Buddha probably did. Um, but for, for, for us, yeah, you actually want to work with the mind and see what's going on. So Dan Harris's book is a great start because it really talks about how the mind works and will dispel some of that concern that you have that you're going to be doing it all wrong. Another book I love, um, he's one of my teachers, Lauren Roach, L-O-R-I-N-R-O-C-H-E, Lauren Roach, Meditation Makes Easy, Made Easy. Um, fantastic guy, PhD surfer. If you can picture all that together. Well, that sounds and fun. <laughs> he has some great techniques. Um, the shower meditation, the one minute meditation, a lot of things that you can quickly grasp and do. Um, and many that I incorporate, incorporate in both my teaching and my personal practice. A lot of yoga studios will have some meditation um, some meditation teaching. Um, so that's also a possibility to do a one-on-one -on -one with someone or, or series. Yeah, that's so, great. Yeah. I want to go back to your comment about, you know, being comfortable and, and saying to the teacher, and that's really, that's okay. That's encouraged and welcome to say, Hey, I'm new. This yep. is my first class. So they know what to expect and that they can help guide you. I would also say too, you know, maybe call the studio or shoot them an email and ask, you know, what classes may be appropriate because there are different styles of yoga, yeah. right? So we certainly don't want someone who's new, maybe stepping into a class that's specifically designed for more advanced or whatever. So it doesn't hurt to certainly ask those questions right up front and identify yourself as a beginner so that you can be included and get the most out of the practice your first time out. And I definitely agree. There's, you know, YouTube and whatnot is, is fabulous for, for a lot of reasons, but it also you do lose that personal connection. You lose that energy in the room. And if you are depending upon your background, if this is really all brand new to you, you also run the risk of, you know, doing poses that potentially in an incorrect way that could injure yourself. And that's certainly not what we're gearing for, um, <laughs> with a yoga practice. And, um, the meditation too. Absolutely. I always say in my sessions when I'm, I'm teaching about self-care to people, you know, you can start small with mm -hmm. all of this, but especially with meditation, you're probably not going to be able to 
sit down and meditate for 45 minutes if it's your first time meditating. So think of it like a muscle. You wouldn't run a marathon tomorrow, hopefully, if you hadn't been training for one. So you need to build that up and build up that skill. So it's totally fine to start with um, one minute. I had a girlfriend recently on a previous podcast episode talk about the one minute meditation. I don't know that she specifically read that book that you mentioned, but she just gets up in the morning, gives herself that one minute momentary pause to kind of assess, check in with the body, see what's going on, take some deep breaths before she goes on with her day. And I think that is wildly important. And you can do that like one minute who can't find one minute to do something like that for your own benefit and well-being. And those sound like great books. I will make sure that we link those in the episode notes so folks know where to find those. Exactly. A note on that one minute meditation and how I, how I apply it. Um, and sometimes it's only 30 seconds. So in transitions from um, your car into your work, let's say you're having a meeting or you're teaching yoga, for example, I'll use myself as an example. Um, when Give yourself 30 seconds to transition. So you pull in, you park your car. Instead of leaping out and running in with everything that happened on the ride, you take 30 seconds and a couple deep breaths. And what it helps you know, just to be with your thoughts for a moment about what's going on. So let's say you've had a very harried morning. You almost got in an accident. There's a road rage, people flipping you off, whatever's going on. You don't want to take that energy into where you're going. So you take a couple breaths and you realize like, wow, I'm a little amped up. I'm feeling a little aggressive towards my fellow man (laughs) and another breath. And then you just take that knowledge in like, okay, I better, I better take my foot off the gas. You know, another example, you drive yourself home from a long day at work. You pull into the driveway, you want to run into your loved ones and you want them to completely read your mind and understand what's going on in your day and offer you the right thing. So let's say you want an attaboy. (laughs) or you want pity or whatever you go in with that baggage and you expect some something back in return Mm -hmm. sometimes it's good to know what it is you want before you get in there um and my husband and i laugh about one day he came in and said how was your day and i said oh i had a heavy day of (laughs) (laughs) self-loathing and he just burst out laughing he's like anything i can do to help i'm like no i'm good it was just like taking that 30 seconds to know wow i kind of whipped on myself a little bit probably need to be a little nicer. And then the evening was lovely. So it's just a practical way to apply it. Yeah, I like that. And and that awareness and that Mm -hmm. that mindfulness really of being able to and I I love that with the with the transitions. I think we can do Mm -hmm. a lot with that. That's a great um, takeaway for folks listening to just think about all those transitions, getting up in the morning, getting ready, leaving the house, driving to work, getting to work, going into your office, your lunch break, whatever. Every time you're transitioning to really be intentional about it and thinking about what you're taking with you from place Mm -hmm. to place. Yeah, that's great. I love that. We're gonna, I'm going to use that in the future, Lonnie. I like that a lot. Oh, it's a good one. It is a mighty good one. <laughs> and this um, this next question, I, I read this in your bio. You talked about um, how you describe your yoga teaching and having a specialty of adapting the poses to fit the body. And I really like that because I think that's a fear that people have, that they have to do the opposite. They have to adapt their body 
to fit the poses. And we, we do that in a lot of ways. I think about myself where I, in my journey with kind of body acceptance and, um, health at every size and my own healing from an eating disorder and always trying to make my body fit some other idea, not necessarily having that other idea fit my body. (laughs) So I really like this. So can you, you tell me more about it? Sure. So, um, this comes, it's a, a, a new wave, a new age in yoga. It comes from a lot of people, but Bernie Clark um, has this great quote where he says, we use the poses to get into the body, not the body to get into the poses. So he's literally quoting what you're describing. And it creates this this situation where we're focused on what we call functional alignment versus aesthetic alignment. So let's say we had a pose and we wanted to um, feel the back of the legs. Let's say come into a forward fold, you know, bend at the waist, head is dangling, and we're feeling this in the back of the legs. So you'd put your body, we'd wiggle the feet around, we'd move around, maybe bend the knees or straighten the knees, come deeper till you're influencing the back of the leg. That's a functional alignment description of a pose. Um, An aesthetic alignment would be feet are close together, toes touching, heels out, hands on the ground, legs locked and straight. Okay. So if your arms are super long, maybe your hands are on the ground. If your arms are short, they're not on the ground. Right. Okay. And a lot of this is physics and geometry and the length of the arms and the, and the limbs. And, and people will count that as I'm not flexible. Well, maybe your arms are too short re- relative to your legs or your torso super long. So yeah, your, your hands are on the ground. So that isn't to discount aesthetic alignment. That is fine. And a lot of teachers use it. It's just in my classes, we'll talk about the point of a pose. Say the point of this pose is to lengthen the spine and let's bring attention to the outside of your Achilles tendon on the right side. Okay, and you're doing that and you're getting the benefit of the pose if you're feeling it in those areas. Um, So it allows, uh, I have a a ton of men in my class because um, they, they embrace this functional alignment and bodies of all sizes and all ages. So young people, um, people who have um, surge, you know, so our, our body is our biological history of everything that's happened. The sum total of all of our injuries, all the things that have gone on that we, you know, that we've done and it comes out in particular ways. So everyone's gonna look a little different in a pose and that's embraced in this system rather than discouraged. Yeah, no, I think that's excellent. And I've, I've definitely noticed in my own, you know, study and whatnot, that there's more um, of a shift towards this kind of more functional idea. And there's definitely been some, you know, um, you know famous influencer yogis, I think a Jessamine Stanley that comes to mind, um, you know, she lives in a larger body. And, and there's some other women too, that I follow. And they're always, you know, they'll talk about moving the belly. And, yeah. you know, maybe spreading your legs a little wider. Yeah. So you can make room for your belly and that kind of thing. And like, I just think that that's really cool that we're, I think I firmly believe that every body can do yoga and that every body should do something. And, um, you know, I don't think, and I don't know if you get into this in your classes as well, but you know, people feel, you know, we see those images of the stereotypical yogi, right? And they're gorgeous. I mean, they're usually these tall, thin, blonde women that have themselves completely bent into pretzels. And I think that that's awesome. But 
that's kind of off-putting for someone who doesn't necessarily meet that look, doesn't have that look, and they can't see themselves in that environment because they don't look a certain way. And that really closes the door for a lot of people to even try. For sure. So I love like, you know, I'm always saying in my workshops, you know, try chair poses, modified poses, use whatever props you need. Maybe you only do standing poses, like just do something. <laughs> so do you get into modifications? Are you able in your classes to kind of give people that if they need it? Oh, for sure. So and for me, the, the rule is everyone modifies. So and it's not the thing that always used to bother me in classes was there seemed to be levels and the type a personalities when you're teaching want to know what that what's the hot lava level because that's yeah, what I'll i'm, I'm unfortunately usually in that camp <laughs> right. i'm not going to be monkeying around with these things so instead i present a basket of things here's four or five ideas of something you could do right now so we're transitioning from one pose to the other it's a child's pose it's a down dog maybe it's a high plank so you have three or four things to pick from and then the whole point is for us to get you in the body and out of your head and your mind and beating yourself up or doing your to-do list or whatever. So by giving you a basket, you have to do some thinking and sussing out with the body and say, oh, okay, that feels really good. So they're all right. Then there isn't one better than the other. Yeah. And I think it took me a long time to learn that. I think more years, years ago when I was more in, before I was in recovery, when I was more deep in the dis-ease of disordered eating and exercise bulimia, I would use exercise as a purging method and yoga, which is like the opposite of what yoga is supposed to be, but that's okay. Um, but I would do that. And I was definitely that person that like wanted to go to the extreme and didn't honor my body in any scenarios really, but even on my mat. And that was, it took me a long time to realize that that's not a good way to be. Exactly. And so now in, in the classes with my cousin, it's actually, um, it's okay First of all, it's a very safe environment I'm with my mom and my cousin who, you know, love me unconditionally. But I'm also like, I love myself now unconditionally also. And it's like, no, it's okay. Like, this isn't available for me today. I don't need to try to push myself further. Like, this this feels good as is. And sometimes, you know, I even modify beyond whatever modification the teacher is using because I'm listening to what my body needs in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it is a really powerful practice. And so... I want to talk about your jewelry designs as well, because I think this is so cool. So being a yoga and meditation teacher, you describe how your spiritual beliefs and philosophies also inform your jewelry designs. And I love jewelry. So <laughs> I think this is so cool. So can you tell me about kind of how this came to be as well? Sure. So I uh, my start in jewelry, um, jewelry making, was I uh, make hand-knotted malas. So they're mala beads that are used for meditation, mantra meditation, where you repeat a, um, a mantra over and over again. And they're great for um, relieving anxiety. And um, they're also great to do as part, just as part of a, something to do with your hands and, and spiritual. So I started out that way and they became popular and I started to branch out into some other kind of symbols and, um, and materials. So I use particular stones because of their um, healing powers. Um, I have a couple of favorites. 
Um, I tend to favor strong stones and stones that are good for transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Labradorite and Moonstone are probably my two favorites at the moment. Also Pyrite and Hematite strong, but those two really have been very helpful for people finding their sparkle mm. <laughs> and their chance at a new beginning. Um, and I use um, symbols in my, um, in, in my designs that have meaning. So I'll use like um, a crystal, crystals that will you know, help improve intuition and, and guide you in, in the right way. I use bees because they're, they represent um, community and productivity and, and brightness um, and so on. So, so that's really how I began the journey. And I make everything by hand um, myself and intention and love goes into everything. And I think about it with that kind of intention when I design it and make it. Beautiful. I actually used to, I still make jewelry, but now it's just for my own um, Mm -hmm. benefit. I used to have a little Etsy shop and actually my great grandmother used to bead uh, wedding dresses back in the day for, for a high end, um, beater in Boston. And so she actually taught me a lot of, um, jewelry making skills and my mom's an artist. So I learned things from her as well. And, and I love it. And I can tell that there is, um, a lot of care and attention and love that goes into your pieces. They are, they're spectacular. And I, like I said, I'm blessed to own several of them. I think it started with a bracelet, um, last about a year or so ago, and then quickly grew into another necklace, another bracelet and earring set. I think a pair of Labradorite earrings. I think I've lost track at this point. Yeah. Um, but that now I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm like, Ooh, I think I need Malas. Um, but anyway, that we can talk about that later, but, um, Beautiful. So how can, like, and I've been noticing on Instagram and whatnot that your jewelry designs are available in uh, several local shops and I think even somewhere out of state now. Did I see a recent update? Yeah. So, um, so about 80% of my business is wholesale to stores. I do have a retail presence and I sell um, through Instagram and I have some dedicated customers like yourself and I love to work directly with people and, um, and design custom pieces and, you know, just make them just the right size and all of that stuff. But I have a line that is offered to stores. Um, I'm very, very blessed. I just um, shipped off a huge order to Elaine Kim. She's a national designer and my line is going to be in both of her stores in, in California. So in LA and Orange County. So that is so cool. That's exciting. Um, Though primarily I'm in New England. Um, but though my malas are at, um, and some bracelets are at the Encore Casino, um, the, the Wynn Casino in, in, in Everett. So yeah, I probably 15 or 20 stores at this point. That's awesome. I love it. So we didn't actually talk about how you like to practice self-care. We've talked about kind of what you do for others, but tell me a little bit about how you practice self-care. So the interesting thing is it's kind of tied to this whole jewelry thing. I, I love this quote that, you know, self-care is not all soft bath and chocolate. It's just creating no. this life that you <laughs> want to live. And, and I had a job where it was the only thing part-time about this job were the wages. I mean, I was mm. really being overworked and it was, it was, it was crazy and no benefits and it was really sort of full-time and, I had been trained as a yoga teacher. And in the same time, um, I'm trying to practice my yoga 
they're taking more and more and more and I'm just working more and more hours. So I'm slipping away from my practice. And the other quirky thing about this particular job, um, they love to treat themselves. So every day was a celebration and it always involved these massive sugary sweets, like, you know, um, and I, I just, it was literally physically killing me to not oh, practice goodness. yoga and eat, you know, <laughs> these huge muffins every day. So um, there was one more project to teed up these aha moments. And I realized, wow, okay, this is all going to fall on my plate. And I just decided I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to be a full-time yoga teacher and see what happens. If I fail, I can sure I can find another bad part-time job. Hopefully you would have found a good one, but I see what you're saying. (laughs) So, so, you know, so I just jumped in with both feet and, and that, you know, the rest is kind of in the rear view mirror. I mean, I just started teaching more and more and loving it and teaching in a lot of different places, seeing a ton of bodies and just really, really loving it. And, and then became this jewelry thing. And I thought, oh, I find this really fascinating, super creative. And it feeds this, um, this other part that I, that I just love. Um, I'm also a musician, a jazz musician. And so that improvisational creative thing just really gets uh, my juices flowing. So my big piece of self-care was really carving out the life that I want to lead, which is mm. doing these things that I love rather than a job where maybe I make more money, but I just, I just hate it. And I feel like I'm, you know, crumbling underneath the weight of it. So, you know, so there's that. Um, Of course, you use meditation and yoga to get to all these places in life. Uh, Meditation allows you to take that stock in what's going on, realize what's going on and notice that teeny tiny step you can take and take it. So this change, of course, happens over time. It isn't overnight. I mean, this has been years and years and years of work of these teeny tiny little changes like, oh, okay, this could be a letter better. This might be a more fun way um, to lead my life. And then incorporating movement in the body is, you know, is a double win because here I am offering what I love, but also moving myself. And um, yeah, and it's super helpful. And then that is a win-win. meditation helps you set boundaries and, and all of those things that are, you know, that are key to going forward. Excellent. And I think I love what you said, carving out the life you want to lead. Mm-hmm. That might be the episode title, carving out the life you want to lead. Cause it's really important. And it, it takes getting in touch with what it is you want mm-hmm. and what it is that, that makes you happy. And it's true. It kind of made me think of that like cliche or quote. I'm not sure exactly, but it's like, Oh, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I think that that's true. Like when I do my self care stuff, like it's in addition to a full-time job, but I love it. Like I love helping people. And if I get somebody that emails me later and is like, wow, like you helped me so much and you're exactly what I needed today. And I'm like, yes, like that, that like gives me what I need to keep going and to keep using my voice to help other people take control of their health and well-being. Because I think that that is really where we need to focus our energy because Mm -hmm. we tend to get caught up in those situations where we're working a, um, a job that will take as much as you're willing to give and just keep taking more and more and more. And we get lost in that sometimes. And, and it's really important to think about what it is you really want and carve out that life for yourself. 
So last but certainly not least, Lonnie, where can folks find you both your jewelry designs as well as, um, you know, maybe some local studios if you're teaching actively right now or where we can we can see where all that is. So um, I have a website, LonniePaul.com, and it will pull you up and you'll get all the information about my jewelry, where you can buy it and um, and my yoga. Um, I teach at Naked Feet Yoga in Melrose. It's a beautiful studio. Um, all the teachers there uh, adapt the same philosophy that I'm talking about, um, that I've talked about throughout. Uh, so I encourage you to come and try. If you're not in the Melrose area, just go to some local studio and support them. They really could use it. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Lonnie Paul Yoga. Um, and, and Facebook, I'm, I'm there, not, not quite as much, but Lonnie Paul Yoga. Excellent. Well, we'll make sure all of that is linked in the episode notes so folks know where to find you. And um, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us today. And um, I look forward to continuing to watch your beautiful jewelry designs. And hopefully I'll get into a a live class one of these days with you. You definitely have me intrigued. I'd love to um, have the honor of taking a class with you. I think that would be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm so grateful for this opportunity and to be a part of it. Um, I love watching your podcasts and, and your posts. Very inspirational. Thank you so much. Wow, that was great. And I can't wait to take class with Lonnie one of these days. In the meantime, I invite you to think about where you can add a little more stillness into your life. This episode provided lots of tips for doing this and dispelled some of the myths around yoga and mindfulness. What's holding you back? I love the tip of being mindful during our transitions and adding some time to just have little check-ins with yourself. Think about how many transitions you have during the day. Even those 30 seconds or one minute can make a world of difference. And if you've been curious about trying yoga or meditation, I want you to give it a try. And remember, every body can do yoga. It is time to break down the barriers and let go of whatever is holding you back and get back into your body. There's so much value in listening to your body and honoring what it needs. And I love when Lonnie mentioned that sometimes you just have to take the leap. Yes, I am feeling that right now in my life for sure. And remember, teeny tiny changes can make a big difference in carving out the life you want to lead. Thanks for listening to this episode. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on your preferred player. The ratings help us grow and share the message of self-care. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please reach out directly by emailing podcast at drmcselfcare.com. That's drmcselfcare.com. And come join the cast party at Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret on Facebook and Instagram at drmcselfcare or on my website, drmcselfcare.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and love me across all of my social media platforms for the most up-to-date information on self-care. Thanks and be well.